0: Each
1: episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Lorea Martinez with a focus on teaching with the heart in mind, social and emotional learning, and really how to create a safe and supportive environment in schools. Lorea, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure to be here.
0: TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Lorea? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Dr. Lorea Martinez Perez is the award winning founder of Heart and Mind Consulting, a company dedicated to helping schools and organizations integrate social and emotional learning in their practices, products, and learning communities. She has worked with schools, districts, and organizations to guide SEL implementation efforts, including training teachers and leadership teams, and providing guidance to educational technology and media companies to help them integrate SEL in their products. An educator who has worked with children and adults internationally, Dr. Martinez is a faculty member at Columbia University Teachers College, educating aspiring principals in emotional intelligence. She has conducted extensive research in the SEL field with a focus on SEL implementation, principals, emotional intelligence, teacher preparation, and school climate. She frequently blogs about how to incorporate SEL in teaching practices, leadership, and parenting. She received her Doctorate of Philosophy, Magna Cum Laude, in Quality and Innovation Education from Universitat Autónoma de Barcelona. In 2014, she was awarded the American Education Research Association Graduate Student Award for Excellence in SEL Research, From the SEL Special Interest Group, Dr. Martinez started her career as a special education teacher and an administrator, a native of Costa Brava in Spain. She currently lives in San Francisco Bay Area with her husband and two daughters. Welcome to the show, Lorea. As Joe said, we're going to jump right in. You wrote a book, which we love, called Teaching with a Heart and Mind. We're going to give some copies away at the end of the show. We want to start there. Your focus is clearly about social and emotional learning, including the emotional intelligence of school leaders. Before we dig into the how-to stuff, which we want to get to for our listeners, like lesson planning and setting better goals in schools, we want to know why this topic, what makes it so important for you, and, and why bring it forward for the educational community?
2: Yeah, so I wrote the book for two main reasons. One, as a former special education teacher, I spend a lot of time supporting students, teaching social skills and how to cope with the struggle of being in a general education classroom and having disabilities. And for a period of my career, I focused on student achievement data. So I worked for a large charter management organization And I realized at the time that we were not paying attention to this set of social-emotional skills that were so important for learning. And that's the time when I was uh, working on my doctoral dissertation and I wanted to see what were those skills that were really needed in order to support students. And that's how I came to the field of social-emotional learning Um, The other reason is that after working in the field for almost 10 years now, I realized that there were actually several misconceptions and how SEL was being understood and implemented in schools. Um, And I wanted to be able to bring a resource to the field where if a teacher at a school, um, even if they didn't have any other support that they could Pick up this book and be able to do something in their classrooms and to support their own social emotional development as well as uh, that of their students.
1: Maria, just to continue down this road, some we appreciate you describing exactly like how you came to this work. I think many of us recognize precisely what you described in the classroom, the various struggles on different levels. SEL is not new, but we agree 100%. It's very often misunderstood. Um, We have a variety of different listeners here from superintendents to those in the classroom, to those at the district office, to building admin. If we're gonna lead this work in our schools, is there an entry point or what is that entry point that kind of blends what we've done, whether right or wrong? Because I think we've, like I said, we've touched on this in the past um, and where we are now, you know, in the midst of a pandemic that's kind of upended so many areas of our education system, where should schools begin with, you know, and I ask this also without... Feeling like a tsunami hit them with one more thing. Because TJ and I don't think it's one more thing. It can it can be added on and dovetailed in well. Um, But we would love to hear your thoughts on what that entry point should be.
2: Yes, thank you so much for for asking that question. I think that's a a key question to contemplate as we're thinking about effective ways to implement SCL. And what I would say is that that you have to enter anywhere you can. And that means if schools are focused on developing um, the capacity of the teachers, because we know that there's a high level of turnover right now, we can find subs, right? Teachers are very spread thin. And you wanna to enter to, to SCL from the perspective of educator well-being, that's a place to go. If a different school is worried about the learning loss and the focus is on achievement and making sure that students are learning, that they are getting caught up on the standards, then you enter SCL from the place of we can make learning more meaningful and more engaging through the application of social emotional learning principles and practices. If you have schools that are worried about student behavior and they want to reduce the amount of referrals that they have, that is also a place where you can enter with SCL. So the question about how you enter uh, depends on the context. You have to ask the school, what are the problems that you are trying to solve? And I guarantee that in 80% of the times, SEL can be part of that answer because a lot of the changes that we are trying to implement in school are driven by people and people have emotions. And that is SEL.
0: Thank you for that answer. I think it's great. It's refreshing for the people listening. Um, It also, it dovetails to any, you know, initiative that we are working on in schools that SEL, in fact, SEL can maybe help us go faster and deeper Um, than we would have with our goals, the way that they're set. So thank you for that. You um, mentioned in the book uh, that there's a three-step process to infuse heart skills into lesson planning for every subject and grade level. I was wondering if you could help us with those steps and what you you mean by heart skills. Is that uh, synonymous with SEL or is there more to it uh, than that? And can you help us with the steps?
2: Yeah, so HARD in, is an acronym that stands for Five Essential Social Emotional Skills. And the reason why, and you might roll your eyes in a way and say, oh, here we come with another framework for SCL, don't we have enough? But I created the HARD the in Mind model because I wanted to give educators an easy and applicable way to bring SCL into their classroom. So HARD is an acronym that, you know, as you can see, you can easily remember. And each letter indicates a social a base, an essential social emotional skill. And this framework is aligned to the castle the castle 5, the five dimensions of SCL. So, uh, but in a way that indicates what is that you do. So, for example, when we talk about self-awareness, that would be the H. Um, in the hard model, eight stands for honor your emotions. So each one of these skills has a verb that indicates what is it that you have to do in order to apply that skill. So that brings to teachers an easy way to implement SEL without being lost in like all the different nuances and sub skills that you might find in each one of those dimensions. So that's in in regards to the the hard skills. Uh, to answer your, your the other part of your question, this three-step process to infuse SEL into academic lessons, um, this was also very intentional. Why this is in the book is because um, I thought that this was like almost like the low-hanging fruit, because we have so many teachers that have to turn in their lesson plans, and maybe they don't have to turn in all of them, but there is a, you know, probably a high percent of of lesson plans that need to be turned in. So we are, with this process, we are teaching educators to infuse SEL just from the beginning. So it really becomes part of how they teach. And as you were saying earlier, not something that we add on, but really, truly SEL is good teaching. So in this process, the first step is to look at the design of your lesson from that SCL perspective. And that means that you are almost using all the pieces of research around the how we know that the learned brains and you bring that to life in the lesson plan. And that can mean that you incorporate, brain breaks during transitions that you are allowing students um, to moments to refocus as you are teaching. Uh, Maybe it means that you incorporate physical movement, right? Because that helps us to process information in more meaningful ways, and it brings oxygen to the brain. Um, So in that step of the process, you are really taking all the all the goodies about what we know about how the learn brains, how the the brain learns and we are making it happen in our lesson plan. And in, in the book it's outlined and it's almost like a checklist that you can compare your lesson plan and go through. And actually that's something that if I'm teaching that process in a, Uh, professional development environment, I ask teachers to take a lesson plan and then go through this checklist and make sure that they find moments where they can incorporate these things into the design. The second step is to ask, what are the skills that students need in order to access the content engage with the activities and master the objective. And this is a way to make these hard skills a lot more explicit. So if you can imagine when we are teaching, we use, you know, hopefully we use a variety of strategies um, in terms of how we group students, how they process information, how they practice the skills that you are trying to teach. And we always think about these skills from the academic perspective, right? If you are trying to do, if you're teaching reading comprehension strategies, for example, maybe you are making sure that students have the foundation for um, their reading fluency, right? That you are providing a text that it's accessible to the students. So you can really dig deeper into the reading comprehension skill that you are trying to teach. But we don't think about it from the, from the SEL perspective asking, well, are my stu- do my students have the social skills necessary in order to have that, one, that that pair conversation successfully, right? So if we are not teaching those skills explicitly, if you are, we are not working with students um, to, to engage more purposefully with the activities that we are presenting to them, it's almost like a missed opportunity, right? So we need to prepare students to be able to be successful with our, with our teaching, both from the academic and the SCL perspective. So in this part of the step, we are really intentional about highlighting, okay, if I'm asking students to participate in a, a, a science experiment, what are those SCL skills that are needed? And maybe some are related to emotion regulation, right? What, what do I do with the students that maybe are disgusted by doing certain kind of experiments right or those students where their energy level is really high right so there are different strategies that you can implement but always looking at it's almost like you are doing the work ahead of time so you can prepare your students better and then the third strategy the third step is to look at the lesson plan and seeing what are the opportunities to connect those hard skills more intentionally with with the academic content. So to give you an example in mathematics, for example, we know that students have a lot of different emotional reactions to mathematics, right? There are students that love it and they are always excited to be in that math class. And there are other students that trigger just by the thought of like having to engage with, um, with math. So in those situations what we are doing is thinking about how we can connect those more explicitly and you can take the shape of the teacher acknowledging what are his or, or, or what are their feelings about math and what happens to the educator if they are trying to solve a multi multi-step problem. Right. So acknowledging, for example, that adults also have different emotions when it comes to the subject itself or the activity that they have to engage normalizes the fact that we can work with those emotions in order for students to be more prepared and in order to learn about themselves right because a lot of the goal of scl is being able to give students these tools of self self knowledge and self discovery so they can engage they can be the drivers of their own learning so by doing this process, and I tell teachers often that this is something that you're going to have to do very slowly at the beginning until you get the hang of it. But once you see that that's like one, two, three, you have a different lens to look at your academic planning and you can infuse immediately those SEL those skills and those strategies and embed them in your teaching. So again, it's not something else on your plate. It's actually how you teach. And something very concrete that I, I tell teachers as they are starting is to always have an SCL goal in mind along with their academic goal. So for example, we know that many of the common core standards that, that most of the states have um, are very connected to SCL skills. So being able to tell students to make it explicit for students, not only that they're gonna be learning specific math standard, but also at the same time, they're going to be developing their relationship skills or they're going to be developing uh, some tools to navigate their emotions more uh, intentionally. We can make these goals explicit for students so they can start to see, oh, wait, this is something important and this is something that as a student I can develop and I can learn and I can get better at.
1: Loreya, a very practical question. I hope this isn't too simplistic, but I, I have to ask it. Have you found, is this better done in a PLC, a professional learning community with teachers rather than them planning independently? I, I can't help but think some teachers just naturally having an inclination to thinking more disposition-based for students, engaging them in this different ways, Where some may not even see the parallels. Um, Have you found in your research, your experience, that one is superior to the other or, or no?
2: Yes, I think that, I mean, learning is a social endeavor, right? And that is true for adults as well. So I think that what happens when we are able to plan together, and I'm thinking not only if you have a math department, not just the math department on their own, but like, can we find the connection across the board? right? Um, I I think that if we are able to do this process as a community, it's a lot more impactful for for several reasons. One, because students are going to realize that as educators working in a building, we are using similar language when we talk about social emotional learning, right? So it doesn't matter if you are in algebra class, in art, music, or English, we are all talking about the same thing. Right. So one, it brings alignment to the educator force. And then the other reason is that there is so much wisdom that you have in a room full of educators. Right. So I think there's such great value in bringing people together to do this process and learn from each other, uh, because, you know, I, I don't believe that there's a teacher that does zero SEL in their classroom. They might not think about it as SCL, but they are doing. if they are paying attention to their students, if they are investing in building those relationships, if they are you know, sensitive to the multiple identities that students bring to the classroom, that is SCL, right? So I think the part of this process is also almost like unpacking what is it that we mean as a community? Again, we need to bring it into the context. What is that we mean by SCL, and what do we want our students to accomplish? And then making it happen through our teaching, right? It's like it it touches every single aspect of the school.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And yeah, I I agree that just having this collective mindset around it is incredibly beneficial. Um, and I do want to point out or highlight, I, I like the idea of having an SEL and an academic goal, that it's center, it's forefront. It's something that we're working on explicitly. So let's talk about students a little bit, Lorea. If we were going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? from an SEL perspective?
2: Just one thing, or I can say more than one.
1: You can say more than one.
2: <laughs> oh, good. Um, well, several things come to mind. One, I think that the one of the differences between uh, my model and other things that I have seen in the field of SEL is this focus on the last competency, the T, indicates uh stands for transform with purpose and i believe that students can be positive change makers in their communities that you know naturally we have an inclination to realize there are things that could be improved in our immediate communities in our global communities and it is a process of self-discovery of like really working with students to Um, help them see what is what how can they use their strengths as as human beings truly beyond the 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 being learners to improve their communities so there's there's this aspect of uh, nurturing purpose in our classrooms, that I think that it can really improve the student experience because what you are doing is really helping students to see their path forward. Right? You are not telling them this is the path forward. You are just facilitating that they discover what is it that they want to bring into this world. Right? What is the light that they want to that they want to share with others? And I think that when we focus on that sense of agency, on really discovering purpose and that is true for students but also for the adults working with students that is a great way to make sure that students are connecting what they learn in the classroom to that that they want to bring to their communities right they can make that connection and then learning becomes so much more meaningful because I'm learning that because I want to do something with it it's not this abstract thing it's like I can do something with it Right. So I think that is a very important part of that student experience. The other aspect that I would say is kind of like that SEL 101 is relationships. And I think that if we have been saying anything, you know, from the beginning of the pandemic is focus on relationships, focus on relationships. And what I can say from the SEL perspective is that it's not relationships or academics, you can do both at the same time, right? That is a false dichotomy that we can either do one or the other. The difference is when you are intentionally focusing on relationships almost as a teaching strategy, right? So you are really developing those emotional connections with your students. You are building a classroom of where there's trust um and you are being sensitive to the the identities that students are in your classroom and again that's why it's so important to take into consideration what is the context and who are the students that you have in front of you and their stories need to be part of your teaching who they are needs to be part of how and what you teach
0: thank you for that i really like what you're saying about the blend of the relationships and the academic part. And I, <clears throat> I think it does also allow us to maybe look at our classrooms, our schools and our students from um, um, a greater view, like a more of a 10,000 or si- even 60,000 foot view, seeing them as humans and as learners and as someone living a life and not just they're in our math classroom and they need to get the quadratic. So I, I really appreciate that from a viewpoint. We love the Heart and Mind blog. We'll link back to that in the show notes. Super um, excited about teaching with the heart and mind in terms of the book and the 90 activities that are in the book that people can put into practice, even virtually. I I noted that as well. Do you have a resource that you go to for either this work or other things? We know you're a researcher. Could you give us some other places that we could go or some other um, resources that you like to use?
2: Yes. So from, from the research perspective, um, I would say the Learning Policy Institute is one of the organizations that I've been doing research with. Their research is top-notch, high quality, but also very applied. So you can always find um, lessons there and, and, and things that you can bring into your classroom. So that's a, that's a place where I always keep an eye on what's coming and, and what they are publishing. And then from more of a a curriculum perspective, um, I love all the lesson plans that come from Facing History and Ourselves, Um, the Learning for Justice. uh, It's also a great resource for lesson plans that incorporate a lot of the topics that I talked about, but also with history um, and with social justice-infused themes. So those are a couple of places where I always keep an eye on, on what they produce, because again, it's really a high quality.
1: Ray, right, let's switch gears a little bit. Very grateful for you to be on the show and <clears throat> meeting a lot of Delawareans, um, even though you're across the, the uh, United States in San Francisco. You know, one thing we talk about is impact. One reason why we're excited the Department of Ed in Delaware helps us put this podcast on is that we are working to reach educators across the state, the region, and really the nation. For you to really feel like you've made your greatest impact, what does the next three to five years look like for you as a leader in education?
2: Well, that's that's a big question. I think that I, you know, kind of thinking about my my end goal is to put myself out of a job. And that means that schools and districts wouldn't need SCL consultants or you know technical assistance on SCL because they were doing it, they were being creative, they were doing the work. Um, so, I think in the next three to five years, I think the place where we continue to struggle is to, which is typical from any education reform, is seeing SCL not as this isolated aspect of the life of schools. And being able to see the connections between SCL and so many parts of the school building, right? From a design perspective, from a staffing perspective, the way the teachers um, are treated in staff meetings, how they feel about um, their level of satisfaction in the workplace. There are so many aspects of teaching and learning that are touched by SCL that I think a lot of this work is gonna be helping people to see those connections and to make those connections. So they are really, you know, so at the end of the process, SEL can be this this vehicle, right? to, To get us to where we want to go and where it's truly infused into the fabric of the school.
0: That's exciting. It's exciting work. It's awesome to see it bringing, uh, being brought forth in our schools. I mean, just the fact that I think folks are starting to realize that learning is social and emotional. Like, it's not one or the other in terms of if it's not social and emotional, it's all also not likely to be learning in the first place, um, because the brain is so social and so emotional in the way that we process information. Thank you for the Learning Policy Institute and then Facing History and Ourselves. And we're gonna link back to those also in the show notes that our listeners love books. I mean, they come on the show. They they love it when when Michael gives away books. Um, We always recommend books on our podcast. Do you have any book recommendations or authors who you're reading and would would recommend for the audience?
2: Yes, I, I have a couple. So first one is, this is Once I Was You by Maria Hinojosa. And I don't know if you know of her, but she is a journalist and is the executive producer of Latino USA, uh, which airs on the national uh, NPR, National Public Radio. Uh, And this is the uh, 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 biography. So it's the story of her. She's Mexican-American and kind of how she grew up and some of the struggles she had uh, growing up in the States. And she really focuses on reporting um, stories that have not been told on the mainstream media. So I always value her perspective of uh, really finding those stories that we don't hear on a regular basis to, to just enrich kind of like the what we know that happens in the U.S. and, and abroad. So that's one. And then um, this one is Fear, Self-Compassion by uh, Kristen Neff. She is one of the leading uh, researchers on self-compassion, a mindfulness teacher. And this book is particularly focused on women and how women can harness Kindness to speak up, claim their power, and thrive. Um, and sadly, this has been on my nightstand for months. But I know I'm going to get to it. But I just want to make sure that I read it when I can, uh, really, you know, pay the attention that it deserves. But that's on my on my to read list right now.
1: Very final question along that same lines: is Is there a topic? or a book that you wish uh, someone would write more about?
2: Um, you know, something that I would love, it's almost like a, a, a book of educator success stories with SCL. So a book that would compile you know, what teachers are doing in their classrooms that is really working and and have that. So it would be almost like a case study um, through storytelling of what's working and what is the impact, because I know that teachers are having an impact with this SCL work. And normally that uh, because we love uh, quantitative data so much, that, that, that it doesn't highlight the stories behind the numbers, right? But I would love to to see that book. So if you have enough educators in Delaware, I, I think that I would sponsor the publication of that book.
0: Great. We'll start compiling the stories now with the folks on this call, and we'll end up putting that together. It'll be a great project. Larea, this has been fun. It's an awesome time. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I know our listeners are going to get a lot from this, including the people in the live audience today. Is there anything else that you would like to add, uh, a request, anything from, again, the leaders who are listening in and the ones who are going to listen after this gets produced into a podcast?
2: Yes, I would just close by saying that even small steps are progress. I think we are living through extraordinary circumstances right now. and. It might feel like you can't do anything new. You can't add anything to your plate. But even small actions that you take on a daily basis to pay more attention to your own emotions, to the emotions of your students, that is progress on itself. Um, So I think that celebrating those small wins um, can go a long way to maintain that energy and maintain the. Um, the moment to move this work forward.
0: Well, thank you for that. Small steps, small wins. Let's celebrate that in schools with all the wonderful work that everybody's doing. Teachers, leaders, our community needs it. You heard it here on Focus Ed, Dr. Lorea Martinez, everyone. How about a virtual round of applause from our live audience? Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for blog post podcasts books to read, and much more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused.